This is Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. Heard coming off the turn to the top of the stretch in the springboard. Dump is outside between runners Dobbins G. Inside Marquis Prince fading a bit. And here comes Long Range Toddy breaking out of traffic and gunning for the front. Long Range Toddy grabs the lead inside the furlong pole. And Long Range Toddy, the clever Trevor winner, is pouring it on. Bank it, rolling after Long Range Toddy. Long Range Toddy needs a line, and Long Range Toddy gets it by a head to win the springboard mile over Bank it. Dump holding off for third over rally by Tone Broke. Now, here's Bobby Newman. Good afternoon. Welcome to another edition of Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern Time. And we've got live racing from, well, all sorts of places this afternoon. Aqueduct, eight minutes to post for the eighth and final race on their Friday card. Gulfstream Park thought we were going to be able to bring you two races, but just like yesterday... Bad weather on the way, so they have sped up their post times today. They're about 11 minutes away, now 10 minutes away from the finale on their 10-race program this final afternoon. We've got about 17 minutes to post for the seventh race out at Oaklawn, and we're probably about 20, 25 minutes away from the sixth race at Fairgrounds. If you'd like to call in, be part of the show, feel free to do so. 888-966-4776 is the number. That's 888 966 H-R-R-N. You can always email me directly as well. I respond to all my emails, not necessarily during the show, but at some point. Bobby at horseracingradio.net. That's B-O-B-B-Y. Uh, boy, I am thankful for uh, not only our listeners, but uh, people who email in, especially when we have questions that we don't know the answers to. And last night, as part of our call-in show, there was a gentleman who called in and asked about if I had remembered a time where they had exactas, where there were entries in a, or, or something where they paid 1 and 1A. One and to be honest, I had no idea uh, what the gentleman was talking about. Um, but he was very adamant about it, and we ended up getting uh, uh, not only a caller in last night, but an emailer who said, yes, uh, this is something that they used to do up with the tracks in Canada uh, back when Greenwood was also running along with uh, Woodbine and others, and, and they would have the exactas where it was like 1 and 1A or 1 and 1 or something like that. And, and this is not probably not within the last 20 years or so, maybe closer to 30, 40 years ago. And um, to be perfectly honest, I wasn't, uh, you know, this is probably either just at the start of the time where there was full card simulcasting or perhaps before there was full card simulcasting. And listen, I I grew up in Southern California and they are, listen, they're behind the times in a lot of ways in Southern California, but one way, and I have never been able to figure this one out, is with what they simulcast in to Southern California. And they, whereas you can go to a track, you know, wherever, you know, obviously we're a little bit spoiled now. When we when we have these ADWs, doesn't matter which one you're betting with, they all, you know, where you can not only bet every track in North America, but basically just about most tracks where there is wagering around the world, um, you know, most tracks you go to, whether it's, you know, for me locally here at Gulfstream Park, or if you're up in New York, or if you're at Oaklawn, or if, you know, you're in, in well, I shouldn't say Texas, because they have kind of goofy things going on down there right now. But you know what I mean, Kentucky, places, Louisiana, you know, any any track that's going on, 
in North America, you're going to be able to bet on it. Not only the ones here in the States, but obviously anytime Woodbine's racing, either thoroughbreds or harness racing. Um, but in California, they have a limited amount of races I think they're allowed to bring in via simulcast. And for a while, it was something like 40 races a day. It may be more than that now. But one thing I've noticed is that if you're in California, um, they don't take simulcasts that start before 10 a.m. Pacific time. And this is not that they're not allowed to do that. They've just decided they don't feel like opening up for anything earlier than 10 a.m. Pacific, which unfortunately means, you know, when you have, especially in the wintertime now, places like Aqueduct and Gulfstream Park starting at 12.10 or 12.25 or 12.50 Eastern time, well, that's 9.10, 9.25, 9.50 Pacific time. And that means if you're out there at the track in California, you can't play the first and sometimes first couple races, which also may mean that you can't play early pick fives and things like that, um, which is just kind of screwy. And I don't know the reason for it. Um, there has to be a reason for it. Um, I doesn't necessarily mean it's a good reason, um, but that's where they are. So back to the the question about the exactas in Canada. Uh, being the ones, uh, one with one and one with one A or whatever that was. Um, my guess is that that was heavily before I actually got to watch a lot of races in Canada, other than, you know, every year getting to see the Queen's Plate and, uh, you know, the Rothmans International what, and, and things like that, the E.P. Taylor and, you know, the big ones that just happened to be simulcast or over, or, you know, even before that, the ones that would be on the, down the stretch weekly replay show that we would see uh was it was it with uh was it Sharon Smith who what was the name of the lady who hosted that well before Char- before Charles D Candy and Chris Lincoln and people like that and they'd have you know they'd have the bud long shot in the certain races and this and that and uh um so yeah so that that's my excuse it's probably not a great excuse but I'm so grateful for not only our listeners but the emailers for uh giving me more knowledge than I had, and I will gladly take it. Um, all right, let's get out to the track right now. Uh, Aqueduct, two minutes away from post time, 51 degrees, sunny skies right now in Jamaica, Queens. Uh, no turf racing, of course, at this time of year in New York. And the eighth and final race on the Friday card is seven furlongs on the fast main track. It's an allowance uh, for New York-bred fillies and mares uh, that under A other than con- uh, conditions. Scratch number 10, Harlan's Bond. We have a big field of 11 going to post in this race. A couple of horses at 5-2 to two vying for favoritism right now. The 7, Super's Lucky Lady, and 9, Better Humor Me. We'll start with the 7, Super's Lucky Lady for uh, Robert Falcone Jr. and Manny Franco. Two career starts, both very good efforts, both on the turf in New York. Broke Maiden sprinting six furlongs uh, during the Belmont at Aqueduct meet. Uh, in mid-September, then came Buck at the uh, proper aqueduct meet, if you will, just a month ago and stretched out to a mile and a 16th and only got beat a half a length. So two very good efforts. Don't know what that translates to now back to sprinting on the dirt for the first time. The workouts on the dirt are, for the most part, on the not 
super fast side, but does have some good dirt works or at least fast dirt works at Saratoga uh, several months ago. So uh, has at least shown some ability on the dirt at some point. Number nine, Better Humor Me, on the other hand, has three career starts all sprinting on the dirt in New York and uh, a first, a third, and a fourth place finish to her credit, rather, she is getting the blinkers added for the first time today. She's trained by Charlie Baker, ridden by Kendrick Carmouche, and it's just ticked down to two to one from post position number nine. So they're going in the gate for the finale at Aqueduct. After this race, we will head straight over to Gulfstream as they are just three minutes away from post time for their finale. They have moved up post times. They're about 25 minutes ahead of schedule uh, at this point at Gulfstream Park with impending bad weather uh, coming. Thankfully, it has not been bad yet here in South Florida. It's just gloomy and kind of drizzly, and but uh, real crappy is on the way, and we'll talk a little bit more about that. So first things first, loading in for this finale at Aqueduct. Seven furlongs on the fast main track for the state-bred fillies and mares running under A other than allowance conditions. Last few going in, just waiting on the 12 Jackson Avenue with Jackie Davis in the irons. Jackson Avenue completes the line. Chris Griffin on the call at Aqueduct. All set. And they're off. Long live the queen has early speed. It's long live the queen right out to the front and is joined in between horses. There is burn Rosie burn and a hard sense. Super is lucky lady. They fly early. Super is lucky lady. One in the front had to work to get there, but will secure the front end is quickly up by a length and a half. Now burn Rosie burn is going to take back in second. Couldn't keep up with that hot tempo. Long live the queen is starting to progress. Now starts to move forward, but is in that group there. Dashing Della is starting to move forward. And also there is better humor me in that early fray. Those five now tight packed. Freddie Mo Factor is inside up. Raining Chick, who's starting to rally on. Here comes the run from Raining Chick. Jackson Avenue's in that mix as well. Clover Street is now towards the back end of the field. Second to last, Fancy Feline in the trailer. Levon on the front end. It's Super's Lucky Lady, but here comes Burn. Rosie Burn, who's in pursuit and dashing Della at 22 to 1. Here comes a run from Better Humor Me from fourth. Is sitting right in behind the leaders. Moves towards the outside. Lebon, Marine Maroon Cap is rolling from the back. Is going to be about eight wide though as they reach the top of the stretch. It's Burn, Rosie Burn, who's in front. Dashing Della is ready to pounce and dashing Della is now put a nose in front. Battling on his burn, Rosie Burn. Grandstand side. Here comes a big run. Clover Street's in there. Levon continues to sustain rally. Better Humor Me's in that mix as well. It's now down to these two. Here's Clover Street to the outside of Better Humor Me. Clover Street, Better Humor Me down the line. Clover Street. Got it. Clover Street over Better Humor Me. Then came Raining Chick is there in a photo with Burn, Rosie Burn. Also there, Levon. Final running time. One minute 24 and three. Unofficially 6-9-11 in the finale at Aqueduct. Longshot getting the job done. We'll get you those prices and talk a little bit more about that in a few minutes. But we need to get over to Gulfstream Park for the 10th and final on their card. Been kind of on and off spitting rain all afternoon. Uh, but bad weather is on the way. And that's why they are speeding conditions up. It's windy at Gulfstream, by the way. Like 20-mile-an-hour winds. So even though uh, the pouring rain hasn't come yet, it's just not a very great not, not a great day to be out there, and I'm sure everyone is happy to get this card in and get it in safely and uh, get to shelter before the bad stuff comes. But this 10th race on the card is on the synthetic track. Five and a half furlongs the distance, $12,500 the claiming tag. Phillies and mares here sprinting that five and a half furlongs. Uh, scratch number five, wheeling and dealing. We've got a field of eight 
getting together in this race. Right now, the favorite number two, Magic Moonstar, for uh, Carlos David and jockey Miguel Vasquez. This one coming out of tougher competition races on the synthetic in her last two starts. She ran fourth and fifth, respectively, basically at the optional claiming kind of allowance-type level uh, and now dropping in for a straight 12-5 tag. The last time Magic Moonstar was in for a $12,500 tag was three starts back, sprinting on the turf at Monmouth Park early part of September, and she won that day as the 8-5 to favorite, was claimed out of that race, went from uh, a trainer who doesn't win all that often to Carlos David, who wins a whole lot, but he hasn't been able to win yet with Magic Moonstar, and it possibly is due to the fact that She's been running against competition that's just a little bit too tough for her. Uh, but at one point, uh, she was a filly that was good enough to beat allowance-level competition. She just may, maybe isn't that quite quite as good right now as she is uh, a six, about-to-turn-seven-year-old daughter of Uncaptured. But taking that big plunge today, better seem to think that this is the right spot. She is 8-5 to five as they load into the gate. Speaking of loading in, number six, winning at ease. Big long shot here. With uh, for trainer Andy Williams, Ryder is off behind the starting gate. Looks like that is a planned thing to try to get her in the gate. And I, I don't know who this rider is. Cipriano Gill, who has ridden 63 horses at Gulfstream in 2023 and is four for 63. To be honest, I don't watch a lot of Gulfstream when it's the non-championship season. And uh, I don't recall Cipriano Gill riding a lot during the championship meet at the end, at the early part of this year, so I'm interested to see what Cipriano Gill looks like on horseback here. Last few going in, we'll hand it off to Pete Aiello for the load and the call. Tenth and final, Gulfstream Park. And runners away. Magic Moonstar quick off the blocks, and she'll try to establish the early pace from Drinks on Me, who's away in second. Serenade a kitten. She comes away in third. Barbara's at the rail. Then it's back to the Grays, winning at ease together with Ellie Gray. Out in the center goes Sassy Melissa. The early trailer is Starry Hope. They pass the half mile and move to the far turn. Magic Moonstar, there a length and a quarter. Drinks on me second. Barbara's now third. In between horses winning at ease, three wide serenade a kitten. Then L.E. Gray and Sassy Melissa still out the back is Starry Hope. 22-3 and three for the opening quarter. Drinks on me going after Magic Moonstar. It's Magic Moonstar nursing a narrow lead. Drinks on me right up alongside second. Two back to Barbara, then winning at ease. Far outside, Sassy Melissa's underway. They straighten for the drive. Magic Moonstar's been under pressure throughout from Drinks on me, who's within half a length. Magic Moonstar tries to turn her away. Less than an eighth to go. Vasquez goes to work on Magic Moonstar, and she kicks and puts away Drinks on me. Magic Moonstar wins. Drinks on me second. Sassy Melissa ran third. And fourth was Serenade a Kitten in 102 and four. Pretty quick time there for five and a half furlongs, especially considering it's uh, lower level claiming at Gulfstream Park. 12-5 the claiming tag, and Magic Moonstar was the right one, and she gets the job done uh, for the team of Carlos David and Mikel Vasquez. 2-4-8-7, the unofficial top four in that 10th and final at Gulfstream Park. We'll get you those prices in just a little bit. Let's head over to Oaklawn Park for the first time today. 
Seventh race on the card, just three minutes away. 60 degrees in Hot Springs right now. Cloudy skies. There is rain on the way. They are expecting rain perhaps before the end of the card and certainly uh, this evening. So if you are handicapping the races for tomorrow, you may want to take a look at the weather ahead of time and see if you can... uh, if you think that it's going to be a fast track or if there's going to be enough moisture for them to downgrade the condition of the track. But right now, the track is fast as they get ready for race number seven on the card. Flat mile the distance here, which is two turns at Oaklawn Park. Starter allowance race for three-year-olds and up. Big field of nine, or a nice field of nine, I should say. And the favorite at this point is number six. Can't beat the rock for David Jacobson. And Ramon Vasquez, 9-5 to five on the board for this gelded son of Cantheros, who has been, uh, well, running all over the place. Started the year in Southern California, uh, then ran the last three starts up at Aqueduct, coming off a nice second-place finish against this same level of competition, going the one-turn mile at Aqueduct. Now goes around two turns. I guess that's going to be the big question. So this horse is proven at a mile his last two starts were a one-turn mile at Aqueduct. He ran second and third, respectively. Um, I don't know if he's ever been around two turns. He certainly has not been around two turns in his last ten starts. Uh, so that's certainly going to be uh, interesting. I'm I'm going to guess. Well, he has run eight times on the turf. Maybe around. Maybe when early in his career, when he ran on the turf, he ran around two turns. But that's going to be the biggest question, at least for me, is how this horse handles the two turns. His last two races at Aqueduct were very, very good and certainly good enough to make him a major player in this spot today. Not a cinch by any means, though. Number three, Luna Vieja is uh, in for Tom Amos and jockey Christian Torres. Horse has a lot of natural speed. Tried similar starter allowance condition going two turns mile and a 16th at Churchill Downs in his most recent start. Was a 7-2 to shot that afternoon. Uh, made the lead, setting just modest fractions, and uh, just got out kicked a little bit down the lane, but not too far back. Finished fourth, beaten about a length and three quarters, so maybe shortening up to a mile helps the chances of this son of Ransom the Moon, who uh, took seven tries to finally break his maiden, and then when he broke that maiden two starts back at Churchill, he came back and ran very well in that winner's race last time out. So I, I think there's improvement still to be had, for number three, Luna Vieja, just uh, glancing at the other horses in here. Number one, Dance Samo is a horse who goes to the lead almost every time he runs. Number two, Rocking Rocket has been sprinting his last few. Last few, When we last saw him going two turns was last meet at Oaklawn Park, and he had a lot of natural speed in those races. The five life on the Nile is very fast early on. Um, there should be plenty of speed in this race, which is not great news. If you're a fan of Luna Vieja, unless you unless you think Luna Vieja can outsprint the sprinters, listen. If you know the 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 common thinking is, and we all do this, is that you know you see three, four, five front running types in the race, you're immediately looking for somebody who can close. I mean, the other theory is if you can get out in front of these other speed types, if you're the quickest of the quick, well, those horses don't pass anybody. So you, there's a good chance that you could take them wire to wire. You know, unfortunately, there's some times where you have to go a little bit faster or the horse has to go a little bit faster than he or she really wants to do early on, and she may not have something left. So a lot of interesting handicapping uh, puzzles to solve, even in uh, just a race that looks just kind of uh, nondescript 
as this one coming up. Uh, checking the odds right now. Late action coming in on the three. Luna Vieja actually down to five to two right now. The six can't beat the Rock. Up to two to one. Uh, can't beat the Rock, by the way, is a horse who not coming from far off the pace, but certainly doesn't have to have the lead. Probably sits just in behind them as they go to the first turn. Third choice in the wagering is the eight, Cobla Mas for Dan Ward and Rafael Bejarano. Dan Ward, of course, uh, for many, many years, assistant to Jerry Hollendorfer. And uh, Cobla Mas coming off a fourth-place finish against uh, allowance optional claimers at Delaware Park. So uh, I would say a weaker circuit overall than what you see at Oaklawn Park. Maybe a little bit of a step up in cast for Cobla Mas who uh, will see if he, he also could benefit if the pace is fast early on. They are arriving at the starting gate and uh, loading in for the seventh race at Oaklawn Park. Doesn't look like a huge crowd at Oaklawn today, but I would expect that they will have plenty of people out there this weekend, even if they get some rainy conditions. Last couple of runners to go in, waiting on number four, Cannaval. Ricardo Santana Jr. aboard the son of Cantheros. Going into post position number four, coming in off a nice fourth play, a rather second place finish at Keeneland against conditioned claimers last time out. Lucky boss Manny Esquivel to complete the line. Here's the seventh at Oaklawn. Laroff. Cannaval sent hard for speed. Fighter Towns there. Rocking Rocket prominent early, but Cannaval a little bit quicker with Rocking Rocket. Those two together. Rocking Rocket keen to go on here. Is rationing his speed, but has a narrow lead on Cannaval. They're on the outside, about a length off in the second position. Then a line of three. Fighter Town can't beat the Rock, and Life of the Nile inside of that pair. Dansimo is running in the green jacket. He's in midfield now. Five lengths off the lead approach of the backstretch run. Luna Vieja is next. Second to last. Lucky Bob and detached from the rest, that's Kobla Moss. Well, well behind. He's at least 20 lengths off the lead, maybe even farther behind than that as they charge down the backstretch. Rocking Rocket takes a hold of the bit and opens up to 22 and 4 fifth seconds that first quarter mile. Moving right along here, Rocking Rocket leads by two. Cannaval gets a breather right behind him, tracking second. Now Dan Samo has made his way into third, passing Luna Vieja, approaching the forward turn run, and then Life of the Nile can't beat the Rocks got to pick it up is losing position passed by lucky boss and the others are in another zip code as they round the turn this race will end at the 16th pole so here they come approaching the top of the lane to the short stretch run rocking rocket trying to hang around but after setting that fast pace he's getting tired rocking rocket loses the lead to cannaval who picks up the running on the lead and swings for home clearly ahead lucky boss continues to grind away from towards the back of the field and he's charging fast here's lucky boss and luna v Vieja, those two battling it out. Luna Vieja inside. Lucky Boss outside as they come charging to the line. Lucky Boss, Luna Vieja, photo finish. Whoever got the best bob got the win, but it was tight. We won't call it. Luna Vieja inside. Lucky Boss outside with Cannaval third. And Kobla Moss from an absolute mile behind might have got fourth. Very tight on the line in the seventh race at Oaklawn Park. Luna Vieja to the inside, the nine lucky boss on the outside, ding-donging down to the line, and he was right. Too tight to call. Photo finish between numbers three and nine with number four, Cannaval, holding on for third. We'll get you those prices in a little bit. Let's get over to fairgrounds for the first time today. 64 degrees right now in New Orleans. Uh, We've got cloudy skies, but the main track is fast. The turf is firm. I see the sun poking out. 
through those cloudy skies. So I'm going to say it's partly cloudy right now at Fairgrounds as we get ready for race number six on the card. This race begins another pick three, a mile and a 16th on the fast main track. Maiden special weight event for the three-year-olds and up. Field of six going to post, rider change on the three uh, to Jose Riquelme. And four to five, the favoritism right now on seven uh, Pyrenees, I apologize, Pyrenees for Cherie DeVoe and Brian Hernandez. Pyrenees has had four career starts thus far, uh, finished a far back eighth in his debut, then ran a good second at odds of almost 10 to 1, then got bet down to favoritism at Churchill and only got beat 33 lengths and came back last December at Fairgrounds, the day after Christmas, and ran third beaten some 10 lengths by banishing. So this is a horse who obviously goes for a good barn in Cherie DeVoe that's coming back off what is almost a one-year layoff, is 0 for 4 coming into the race today, and is even money right now on the board. Listen, uh, you're obviously people, anyone's free to do what they want with their money uh you know just like you know you see you know, my, my wife likes to play blackjack uh not very you know when we go to vegas she plays blackjack and she's playing whatever 10 or 15 dollars a hand whatever she and she's that she's the person at the table who gets mad when other people are playing what she perceives to be incorrectly you know the people who are after uh, hitting when they shouldn't hit or sticking when they shouldn't stick or whatever it is. And like I said, this is for 10 or $15 a hand. It's not for hundreds or thousands of dollars. Um, and I tell her, I said, hon, uh, it's their money. They're allowed to play it any way they want. You know, you just, you've decided to sit at this table and you know that they're sitting here and it is what it is. Um, this is not, if I was taking, wanted to take an even money shot, this is probably not where I would go. There are way too many question marks for the six Pyrenees in this spot. That being said, uh, he is making a good appearance. He is uh, very well-bred, being by Into Mischief out of a Newfoundland mare. And uh, his good races certainly make him one of the ones to beat. I don't think they make him overwhelmingly the one to beat in this spot. So uh, somebody, as it were, thinks they know that this horse is going to run big, even money as they go in. Here's the call from John Dooley. That was Pyrenees. Anxious to get on with it here. Resetting the door there for Pyrenees. Four to five at a mile and a sixteenth. Ready. Set. They're off. Off to an even start. Cafe Racer away well in company with Pyrenees. One true gentleman. There's the Canadian Raider as they head toward the first turn. Beaumont Red, Earl of Dassel, and Great Bunner. So with Ben Curtis, it's one true gentleman to the lead with seven furlongs to go. Cafe Racer in pursuit for Marcelino Pedrosa Jr. With Brian Hernandez Jr., Pyrenees is third upon settling as they go to the back of the track. Great runner into fourth place for Jose Rocalme. With James Graham, Beaumont Red is in the black silks. And with Jared Loveberry, Earl of Dessel trails the maiden sextet. The quarter 24.36 seconds. One true gentleman leads a close up cafe racer. It's a break of five more to Pyrenees, running in third for the run to the half mile pole. Beaumont Red starts a bid with the rail. 
Moving up between horses, Earl of Dessel and the Lothenbach Blue with a red cap, and Great Runner has dropped back to sixth and last. The front runner, one true gentleman still. Clocked a half mile in 48.95 seconds. They enter the far turn. It's still one true gentleman. Cafe Racer has been close. One true gentleman. Three furlongs from the winning line. Cafe Racer second by two. Pyrenees starting a bid. Earl of Dassel making four path progress now as they near the quarter pole. Beaumont Red and Great Runner is last. One true gentleman. Cafe Racer, Pyrenees, Earl of Dassel circles. Three quarters, one minute 13. Point 88 seconds. Beaumont Red, Great Runner. It's Pyrenees. Pyrenees has taken charge. One furlong to go. Earl of Dassel. Cafe Racer, one true gentleman was swallowed up. They come past the 16th, the son of Intermischief. It's Pyrenees. Pyrenees leads home Earl of Dassel. Pyrenees for O'Brien Hernandez Jr. Triple. Pyrenees by five from Earl of Dassel. Beaumont Red gained third. Then Cafe Racer, one true gentleman and great runner trailed out. Unofficially 6-1-2-5 in the sixth race at Fairgrounds despite pushing the front of the gate open at the start and being heavily bet off what was just about a year-long layoff favorite Pyrenees was just way too good for this field as I'm getting bet down to four to five and getting the job done over there in the sixth race at Fairgrounds. By the way, wanted to let everybody know uh, that over at Oaklawn Park, the photo finish went to the outside runner, longer shot, Lucky Boss, getting the job done over there at Oaklawn Park. All right, um, before we go to break, uh, at the top of the show, we heard the stretch run of the 2018 edition of the Springboard Mile, won by Long Range Toddy. The Springboard Mile is the uh, traditional closing day feature, closing weekend feature at Remington Park. And this is closing weekend at Remington Park. And the Springboard Mile actually takes place tonight. It's race 10 on the card. They've got six stakes tonight at Remington Park. The first post at Remington is 6 p.m. Eastern time, so right when Bob Nastanovich and I start our Am Wager Weekend Streaks preview, but the stakes don't go until after we uh, get done with that show. So we are going to talk about all six Remington Park stakes tonight on the Am Wager Weekend Stakes preview, and the Springboard Mile, of course, is the featured event, a three-year-old event, uh, two-year-old event, at three hundred thousand dollars the purse, I believe, uh, and two-turn one mile on the main track at Remington. Long Range Toddy, uh, God, he's still in training. I, do, can you believe that? I think he worked like a week ago at Gulfstream Park, uh, but he's a horse that's won six of his thirty-eight starts. Doesn't sound all that impressive, but when you see that he's made over $1.2 million in his career, looks a little bit better. Other than winning the Springboard Mile and the Clever Trevor before it in 2018, he would go on as a three-year-old to win the Rebel Stakes at Oaklawn Park and, of course, ran in the Kentucky Derby back in 2019 and, as I said, is still in training and uh, presumably will be running into his eight-year-old year uh, at the, in just a few weeks from now. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, oh, your prices from everywhere. Aqueduct, Gulfstream, Oaklawn, Fairgrounds. We've got more live action to come from both Oaklawn and the Fairgrounds. Interesting story. Going to catch you up a little bit later on today as well. This is Betting with Bobby on HRRN. Foundation has been music education. 
It's so incredibly important that we continue to show kids the importance of music in our schools, in our homes, and even in the car. Music is such a powerful expression of emotion and individuality, and we are responsible for keeping the love for music alive. This message is courtesy of the United States Air Force. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting. A teenager learning the lingo. Today I'm going to help parents translate teen slang. Now, when a teen says something is on fleek, it's exactly like saying, that's rad. It simply means that something is awesome or cool. Another one is totes. It's exactly like saying, totally, just shorter. As in, I totes love going to the mall with Becca. Another word you might hear is jelly. Jelly is a shorter, better way to say jealous. As in, Chloe, I am like so jelly of your unicorn phone case. You don't have to speak teen to be a perfect parent. Thousands of teens in foster care will think you're, um, rad just the same. To learn more, visit AdoptUSKids.org. A public service announcement brought to you by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, AdoptUSKids, and the Ad Council. When kids need medical care, they will often face stressful and life-changing experiences. From complex treatments to long hospital stays, these special patients miss out on the things that most kids take for granted and let kids be kids. That's where Starlight Children's Foundation comes in. Since 1982, Starlight Children's Foundation has transformed the in-hospital experience for more than 17 million seriously ill kids in 800 children's hospitals and facilities across the United States. Our state-of-the-art programs like Starlight Virtual Reality, Starlight Hospital Wear, and Starlight Gaming let kids just be kids, if even for a few moments. Whether donning an action figure gown instead of standard hospital issue, or settling into gamer mode, if it brings a smile, a laugh, or just a break from their reality, it's happiness delivered. Learn more at starlight.org. That's starlight.org. This is Bobby Newman. Live racing, great info, and lots of fun is what you'll get every Thursday on the First Bet Racing Show. Bob Nastanovich and I bring you the live action from the biggest tracks around North America, speak with some of the major players in the game, and discuss racing's biggest topics. It's the First Bet Racing Show every Thursday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern. Listen live each week on Sirius 162, XM 207, online channel 999, or streaming live at horseracingradio.net. When kids need medical care, they will often face stressful and life-changing experiences. From complex treatments to long hospital stays, these special patients miss out on the things that most kids take for granted and let kids be kids. That's where Starlight Children's Foundation comes in. Since 1982, Starlight Children's Foundation has transformed the in-hospital experience for more than 17 million seriously ill kids in 800 children's hospitals and facilities across the United States. Our state-of-the-art programs like Starlight Virtual Reality, Starlight Hospital Wear, and Starlight Gaming let kids just be kids, if even for a few moments. Whether donning an action figure gown instead of standard hospital issue, or settling into gamer mode. If it brings a smile, a laugh, or just a break from their reality, it's happiness delivered. Learn more at starlight.org. That's starlight.org. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. On the front end, Snow Chief. 
Now in the clear by three lengths. Raised on stage is second. Darby Fair is third. Ferdinand gaining ground along the inside fourth. Scat Dancer is fifth. Family Style races in sixth. Electric Blue is very wide, seventh and gaining as they race through the stretch. Snow Chief and Alex Solis on a big lead of five lengths. Raised on stage, tries to hold second, then Ferdinand at the rail. Electric Blue races in fourth. Family Style is fifth. They're in the final strides, and Snow Chief is striding clear to a big victory here. Ferdinand along the inside, battling with between horses raised on stage and Electric Blue. Ah, good to hear the voice of Jim Byers from back in 1985, the Hollywood Futurity, and uh, one of several matches between Snow Chief and Ferdinand. Snow Chief came on top in the big way that day in the Hollywood Futurity. The Hollywood Futurity, of course, run at the now-gone uh, Hollywood Park, but uh, run, run as the Los Alamitos Futurity right now, and this year's Los Al Futurity takes place tomorrow afternoon. Bob Nastanovich and I going to talk about that race as one of 12 races tonight on the Am Wager Weekend Stakes Preview. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on the Horse Racing Radio Network. I'm Bobby Newman with you every Friday afternoon, bringing you live action from all around North America and bringing you uh, uh, some details of interesting things that are going on in this game of racing that we love so much for the mo for right now though i owe you prices from everywhere so we'll start at aqueduct for the eighth and final race on their card was won by number six clover street three-year-old bay philly by teufelsberg out of the bellamy Roadmare fortune street owned by sideman stables trained by mark hennig trevor mccarthy in the irons on clover street who paid 2680 850 and 540 Second was number nine, Better Humor Me, 410, 390. Third, 11, Raining Chick, 480 to show. Fourth, number five, Burn, Rosie Burn, the exact of $114. Try 164.25, the dollar super, $2,086.50. Nobody hit the pick six today. Uh, carryover of in excess of $32,000 into tomorrow's pick six program at the Big A. Uh, Gulfstream Park, so just to refresh uh they're having different than usual weather in south florida right now it's been rainyish and very windy wednesday thursday and today and tomorrow they are expecting basically tropical depression conditions and if you're not familiar with that it's just going to rain a whole lot um and it's going to be windy it's not Enough to say that there's like uh, that it's a tropical storm or a hurricane or something like that. But basically throughout South Florida tomorrow from morning through night, uh, they are expecting over two inches of rain and consistent 20 mile an hour winds. So they sped the races up a little bit yesterday at Gulfstream Park. They sped them up by about 20, 25 minutes today at Gulfstream. Uh, as of now, I keep checking. I have not seen if they're canceling tomorrow's card at Gulfstream. I would be surprised if they run tomorrow. Um, that's that's a lot of rain, and it does not drain very well over at Gulfstream Park. I mean, a lot of people remember from when they've had tropical storms and hurricanes here, you know, videos of horses in standing water and evacuating from certain barns. Now, they are not expecting that kind of rain tomorrow. Um, but at the very least, if you are handicapping the races for tomorrow, and I would say for Sunday, it's not supposed to be bad weather Sunday, but there's no chance they're running on the turf 
tomorrow or Sunday. So any turf race, you might as well just assume that if they race, they will be running on the synthetic track. Uh, so anyway, we thought we were going to be able to bring you the final two races today at Gulfstream Park. As it turned out, they sped it up enough that we only got to bring you the finale, which was the 10th race on the card. And the favorite number two, Magic Moonstar, obliged for the favorite player. She's a six-year-old Dark Bay or Brown Mare by Uncaptured out of the Dehair Mare. There's a name from the past. The Dehair Mare Grazioso, owned by Ram Dio Racing Stable and trained by Carlos David Miguel Vasquez, who wins a whole lot of races uh, at Gulfstream Park was in the Irons. Magic Moonstar, 420, 340, and 260. Second, four drinks on me, five dollars, three twenty. Third, eight, Sassy Melissa, three forty to show. Fourth, number seven, Serenade a Kitten. The Exacta, twenty three eighty. The Try, forty two dollars five cents. The Dollar Super, two hundred eighty five dollars and twenty cents. Um, before I get over to the prices at Oakland Park, it kind of kind of made me think. And this is another. Listen, as I've mentioned many many times. I grew up in Southern California. I love the racing in Southern California. I'm not foolish enough to think that it's quite the same as it used to be and that it's as good as some other places around the country. It is what it is. I'm a realist. But I love the racing in Southern California. I love going to Del Mar. I love going to Santa Anita. I used to love going to Hollywood Park. I used to love going to the races at Pomona or Fairplex or whatever you want to call it. Um, (laughs) So they're going to have over two inches of rain tomorrow at in south florida um and they've known this for about a week it, it, it every, it's been predicted if you look any weather channel you look at uh weather underground weather channel whatever it is uh they've been saying this for a week it's just going to be awful tomorrow tomorrow's by far the worst day it's going to be rainy and windy and whatever and they still have not at least to my knowledge made a decision about what they're doing tomorrow in california if they see a week in advance that there's a chance of rain, they cancel racing. That's where we've gotten with racing in California. And how, for the right reason or not, how they've cowered to non-racing entities in California. And, I mean, growing up there, listen, it doesn't rain in Southern California as much as it rains in other parts of the country. Um, I remember several days, several days in California going to the track when it was wet and rainy out and they were sloppy and off the turf. I mean, they're, they're never going to be sloppy and off the turf in California ever again because they're, I think, scared of running on a track that isn't labeled fast. Uh, you know, and it all started with a few years ago uh, when there was a different regime that was managing Santa Anita Uh, When everything went wrong and all the horses got hurt during like a two-month span and they blamed it on Lasix and they blamed it on the whips and they blamed it on Jerry Hollendorfer. He's he's Satan, apparently, according to them, um, and never blamed it on themselves. And now we've gotten to a point that somehow at a major racing facility like Santa Anita, um, if there's an inkling that there could be rain, Five, six, seven days out. They won't even draw entries for that day. N- nope, nope, not doing it. Can't do it. Can't, can't take a risk of not running on a track that we deem perfect, which, of course, no track is perfect. And horses, unfortunately, can get hurt even on a quote-unquote perfect track. Um, but it just made me think. <laughs> I mean, it looks like the end of the world tomorrow here in South Florida. They haven't, they haven't canceled the races yet. California... 
they'd have canceled last week. Strange how it is that way. All right. Uh, prices for the seventh race at Oaklawn Park are in. Tight finish down on the line between numbers three and nine. One of the favorites, one of the long shots. It was the longer shot that won it. Number nine, Lucky Boss, four-year-old Bay Gelding by Street Boss out of the Van Nisselroy Mare Lucky Striker, owned by Contreras Stable Incorporated and Victory Stable. Sippy Contreras, the trainer. Manny Escavez, the rider, on the nine, Lucky Boss, who paid 23 and 620 Second was number three, Luna Vieja, $5, $4. Third, four, Cannaval, 640 to show. And fourth was number two, Rocking Rocket. The Exacta paid one twenty three eighty. The Tri four sixty four sixty, and the Dollar Superfecta nine thousand two hundred twenty seven dollars and fifty cents. Also, your prices over at Fairgrounds. Let's get those in sixth race on the card. Went to the favorite number six, Pyrenees. Overcame a long layoff and uh, breaking through the front of the gate to begin. Didn't come out of the gate. Just pushed the front of the gates forward. Despite that, Pyrenees no problem. Gets the job done in a big way. Three-year-old Bay Copai into mischief out of the Newfoundland mare, Our Christy. Owned by Blue Heaven Farm, trained by Cherie DeVoe with Brian Hernandez Jr. aboard. Pyrenees, $383,210. Second one, Earl of Dassel, $680,380. Third two, Beaumont Red, $320 to show. Fourth number five, Cafe Racer. Exacta, $1820. The Tri, $1670. Dollar Super, $74.70. All right, next live race comes to us from Oaklawn Park. And that's race number eight on the card, about five minutes away from post time. Six furlongs on the fast track. It's a starter allowance race for three-year-olds and up. Field of nine gathering for this race. Number one, Colonel Vargo is the favorite at two to one right now for owner-trainer David Jacobson. Ramon Vasquez is aboard. This three-year-old gelded son of distorted humor who's also shipping in from New York. In fact, Colonel Vargo is riding a three-race winning streak, and he's won four of his last five. Um, In fact, if you throw out the race where he ran at Golden Gate on a synthetic track, he's won four in a row on dirt, or conventional dirt, or whatever you want to call it. It's dirt. Um, He won at Del Mar. He won at Los Al. He won two races at Aqueduct. Uh, one against starter allowance competition and one against just a other than competition at Aqueduct. So, uh, listen, the the caliber of racing at Oaklawn is great. Obviously, the caliber of racing in New York is excellent as well. Um, one starter allowance to the other, I don't know if it's a big difference, but winning an a other than race and then coming back into a starter allowance race, I mean, that's that's huge. And um, I'm I'm almost wondering why they're doing it. Now, they are they are out on the horse. And when I say they, the royal they, Dave Jacobson, he's the owner and the trainer. He answers to nobody when it comes to Colonel Vargo. And he claimed Colonel Vargo from a race at Los Al in September for $25,000. Um, and since then, he won a starter allowance in New York, which I think is somewhere around a 40... Forty or fifty thousand dollar purse, I can't remember. And he won a an an A other than allowance last time out, which is a ninety thousand dollar purse. So uh, I think he got probably around fifty thousand for winning that allowance race last time out, winner's share, um, plus whatever. Let's just say twenty five thousand for the race before, because I don't know exactly what that purse was. But uh, basically, put in twenty five, have earned back seventy five. 
less what he has to pay to the jockey, what is 10%. Uh, now he's this he's free-rolling with this horse. Because usually I would say, well, why isn't he running this horse against, like, two other than competition next time out? I mean, the purses at Oaklawn, especially when you get on those allowance races, you're talking about, like, $140,000. Uh, but instead running in the starter allowance with a $35,000 purse. But maybe he just figures this is easy pickings. He's way out on this horse. He doesn't want to lose the horse. They're going to let him run in this spot. He qualifies for this spot. Why not take a chance? And uh, he does. So that's what's going on with Colonel Vargo, who uh, is going to have to overcome the inside post, but is obviously in very, very good form. Uh, there are several others taking some action as well right now. The two born flawless, who was actually the morning line favorite for Joe, Shop and, or Joe Sharp and Christian Torres. He's riding a three-race win streak of his own. He beat... Uh, Condition claimers uh, two and three starts back, then beat starter allowance competition at Churchill last time out. He's a horse that has speed but doesn't absolutely have to have the lead to still have a chance and obviously in very, very good form. You've got the six Shackleford Strong, who uh, was ri- rode a four-race win streak into his last start at Keeneland when he ran second against similar starter allowance competition. He's been very, very good against starter allowance competition thus far in his career. But 0 for 2 at Oaklawn, never hitting the board uh, in his career. So not 100% sure that this is his favorite track. But as I've mentioned, it's a little bit of a different track surface this year than what we've seen in years past at Oaklawn Park. Number 7, Atomic Tone, is 5-1, to one, fourth choice right now on the board. This is a horse that's been running in Ohio and uh, running very, very well at both Mahoning Valley and Thistledown. He, too, won four of his last five starts in the one race he lost. He only lost by a head. Um, similar kind of competition. Well, I should say similar level, like an allowance, uh, a starter allowance type competition. Um, overall, I would guess that the racing at Oaklawn would be significantly tougher than what you'd see at Thistledown. Not every horse, every race, but overall, I would think we'd think that uh, I would I would handicap this for being a much tougher spot. Speaking of Thistledown, by the way, uh, I went to Cleveland in August. It was the first time I had been there in 25 years or something. I used to I was the announcer at Cleveland at Thistledown in the late 90s. Uh, like 96, 97, 98, something like that. Um, and I went up there and I visited Matt Hook, who is the assistant racing secretary and, and the track announcer at Thistledown. The booth has not changed since I've been there. And when I say not changed, it looks like it hasn't been cleaned and nothing has changed since I've been there. In fact, the door leading into the announcer's booth, um, which I remember signing on my final day, still is there with my signature, with John Dooley's signature, with uh, Alan Drake's name, who was before both of us. And I think uh, some of the people after us include, like, Charles Pinnell. And I don't know if Matt Hook has signed it yet. You're supposed to sign it on your last day. Um, But uh, obviously has never been cleaned and is still there. And uh, so a little bit of a soft spot in my heart, even though it's been a long, long time since I called myself an employee at Thistledown, uh, it was fun going back. They are much more casino-oriented now than they are racing-oriented, which is a little bit sad, but that's just kind of the way things are for the most part 
with racinos these days, and they've got a nice casino and a really nice sports book there. And, uh, you know, the racing is just what the racing is. They haven't done a whole lot as far as improving that for the fans. But uh, it's still there, and uh, they've got a good one from Thistledown in number seven, Atomic Tone, who's got a bit of a shot in this upcoming eighth race at Oaklawn Park. Just waiting for the last few runners to go in, Golden Luna, who I got to call a lot at Prairie Meadows this summer to the outside gate. Here's race eight at Oaklawn. And uh, Laroff. Good beginning for all the runners. Golden Luna on the far outside put into play. The gray atomic tone is there. Shackelford Strong in that group. Even Burning Hunk of Love is there. Colonel Vargo, they're lining up on the lead here. A pretty contentious pace. And Colonel Vargo from down towards the inside is a share of the lead with Burning Hunk of Love. Shackelford Strong right off of them pressing in the three path. A length to a quartet who line up. Born Flawless slipping inside of Atomic Tone. Cost base is Golden Luna. They're together. They're three clear of Spotted Bull. And at the back is eternally grateful. Around the far turn, Colonel Vargo has come under a hard ride, and Burnin' Hunk of Love kicks on to a three-quarter length lead. Shackelford Strong sent along to get after that pace setter. Colonel Vargo battling well from the inside at the quarter pole. That trio's three ahead of Born Flawless, who's retreating here. And fifth, Atomic Tone. The others are well behind. The front-running Burnin' Hunk of Love, who leads the way. Colonel Vargo left behind in second, ducking back to the outside to attempt to re-rally. It's burning hunk of love with a 16th to go as a two-length lead. Colonel Vargo, and here's eternally grateful. If he wins it, it's going to be a huge race. Here comes the line, and it is burning hunk of love who just got there. Eternally grateful from maybe 15 lengths out of it. Ran huge and gallops out well, but settles for second. Colonel Vargo right behind, and then born flawless. Unofficially, 5-4-1-2, the top four finishers in the eighth race at Oaklawn Park. Burning hunk of love for Carl Broberg and Isaac Castillo coming off three second-place finishes in a row, including two of them against starter allowance competition. All those races at Remington Park now moves over to Oaklawn Park. Very tenacious the odds of 7-1. to one. Really took it to the favorite Colonel Vargo going around the turn and uh, drove that one into submission, as it were. Had to hold off the late rally of eternally grateful who was coming off some uh, big efforts at fairmount park in his last few starts so you had a remington shipper and a fairmount shipper i still call it fairmount park i'm not calling it the other thing uh finish one two in the race final time for the six furlongs one ten and one we'll get you that uh those prices in just a little bit let's get over to the fairgrounds as they're getting close to post time for the seventh race on their friday afternoon program about a mile and a 16th is the distance here they run on the firm turf course maiden special weight event for the two-year-olds scratch numbers 12 on down so we have a field of 11 going to post in this race and uh i always how do you come up with a field of 11 how is maybe the rail is out a little bit and i am looking at their I can't see it on their changes right now. Um, But, yeah, a field of 11, which is all they'll allow in this particular race at uh, Fairgrounds, getting ready to go to post. And we've got a solid favorite in number 11, um, Summer in Adrienne. Uh, Summer in Adrienne for Tom Morley and Florent Giroux ran once, sprinting six furlongs on the turf at Aqueduct. Was odds of 12 to 1 that day. Bumped a little bit at the start. Uh, came from about three and a half lengths behind to finish second. Only beaten a nose that afternoon and bred to be much better long than short. Being by summer front out of a lemon drop kid mare. So the breeding is there to t- say 
This horse should have no problem stretching out around two turns. Uh, moving from New York to Louisiana, so a big ship right there. But Tom Morley off to a good start at fairgrounds. Uh, basically everything he's run thus far at this fairgrounds meet has been running very, very well. Um, post position, biggest question mark, I think, for summary. I'm I'm not as worried about the distance as I am overcoming the outside post uh, because, let, let's face it, uh, unless you're – just flat out faster than them early on, or you have almost no speed and can drop back and over to the inside, you're going to be forced at least a little bit wide on the first turn and who knows about on the second turn. And in general, in turf racing, it seems like that's not exactly where you want to be. I know there are times, you know, this horse might, I mean, he may just be much better than this field. Who knows? Um, Four to five is a little bit too short for me. Um, listen, I passed on a four to five shot about a half hour ago. I got no pass, no problem passing on another one here. Not that I'm uh, averse to betting a four to five shot every now and then. In fact, I, I want to give him out, but uh, I can tell you that I am fully expecting my best bet on the Amwager Weekend Stakes preview tonight to be four to five. And if that one's four to five, I think that would be very, very fair. I have l- less question marks about that runner than I do these other ones, but. Uh, four to five is the price you're going to have to take, at least as of now, on the 11th, Summer and Adrian. Uh, second choice in the wagering is down along the inside, the one Hamilton's Way for Ray Handel and Raylu Gutierrez. Um, Hamilton's Way has run on the turf once in his four-start career. It was last time out going a mile and a 16th at Aqueduct at odds of 20 to 1 and finished fourth, kind of a... Uh, non-menacing fourth late, was in contention most of the way around and just outfooted down the lane, got beat about seven lengths that day. Uh, Lasix on for the first time. Blinkers go on for the first time. Advantage of the inside post. I would not be shocked if Hamilton's way uh, fires right out toward the lead. He's not a horse that's shown a whole lot of speed in the first four starts of his career. But uh, let's face it, Brinkers on, bl- brinkers, blinkers on from the rail. Uh, I would think they're going, or at least they're going to be right up there in and behind the pace. Um, there are some first-time starters in this field. Mark Cassie's got the 10 McAvoy, who's 39-1 to right now. Al Stahl Jr.'s got number two, Roussette, who's 24-1. to Kenny McPeak, who wins with about 8% of his firsters, has won a number three, Pearl of Acclaim, who is 12-1. to So none of the firsters getting really a boatload of action other than numbers 11 and 1 the two that we talked about there's nobody in this race at this point who if they win will pay less than $20 to do so so um, it's almost a 1 and 11 or everyone else situation in this spot and I gotta be honest with you the 1 and 11 look fine they certainly don't look bad in any reason but they don't look like they 100% has to be them um, the problem is, if it's not them, who is it? I'm not, you know, do you want to hit all button with 11 horses in the race? Most people don't. Um, but if you're, if you've got a big stand, especially against number 11, Summer and Adrian, um, why not? Because everyone else is a decent price in this race. And the two-year-olds have made their way to the starting gate for this seventh race on the card at the fairgrounds. Fairgrounds, one of the tracks that we won't be talking about tonight in the Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview. They had so many stakes last Saturday with those Louisiana Champions Day stakes, and they really had some good stakes racing that afternoon. Um, but a little bit of a softer, softer Saturday 
for the folks in New Orleans tomorrow. That's all right. We're going to hit plenty of spots uh, around the country, even not going to the fairgrounds when Bob Nastanovich and I talk about the stakes on the Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview at 6 p.m. tonight. Here's John Dooley with Race 7 down at the fairgrounds. They're in the gate. And they're off. And Pearl of Acclaim, the newcomer, out to the early lead, Hamilton's Way, Camaro Z. Here's McAvoy and Summer and Adrian is right there, too, as they make their way toward the first turn. After a sharp start, Pearl of Acclaim vying for the lead with McAvoy. Camaro Z off the leader's heels. Summer in Adrian is up close as is Hamilton Way as they enter the first turn. Then toward the inside is Polar Bear Plunge, who's running in sixth. Benzodini is seventh. Curl and Gunner in eighth. Then comes Breeze Mission. Hope Joe's right as they go to the back of the course. And the newcomer, Roussette, has dropped back to 11th and last. 24.25 lead seconds, making this backstretch run. And with Corey Mallory, Pearl of Acclaim dictates terms. Pearl of Acclaim during the half-mile pole in front of McAvoy, who stays close Hamilton's way, and Summer in Adrienne is right there, too, racing a joint third. Camaro Z in fifth, five lengths off this leader. Then comes Benzodini racing outside of Polar Bear Plunge, the rail too clear from Breeze Mission, Curling Gunner. Three wide, Hope Joe's right, and Rousset remains last. Half-mile, 50.28 seconds, so they traverse the far side of the fairgrounds course, and Pearl of Acclaim continues the front runner as Summer and Adrienne is now sweeping into action on the outside and right there between horses, McAvoy, as these three line up past the quarter pole. Hamilton's way toward the inside. Camaro Z, Hope Joe's right down the center of the course. Three quarters, one minute, 16.02 seconds. Here comes Summer and Adrienne. Summer and Adrienne with McAvoy matching strides, one for long to go. Then in between horses, Hamilton's way making a late bid. Hamilton's way toward the inside has run. It's Summer and Adrienne with McAvoy, Hamilton's way closing on the outside. Camaro Z. Blanket photo finish. McAvoy dived at the line with Camaro Z, who had a late charge. Summer and Adrienne was right there, along with Hamilton's way, and Hope Joe's right. Wow, that was really tight. There are three of them right there blanketed on the line. I think John Dooley called five of them, but it's really between the seven, Camaro Z, first-time starter, 10, McAvoy, and the favorite, Summer and Adrian. They came right together as they came down to the line. Summer and Adrian McAvoy were battling down the stretch. McAvoy inside, running huge in his debut. Summer and Adrian, the favorite, looked like he was just cruising up to the leaders as they went to the top of the stretch. Florent Giroux hadn't moved a muscle on him. Then shook the reins, and he couldn't get by McAvoy. And all of a sudden, here comes Camaro Z diving on the line. I think it's actually between the 7 and the 10 with Summer and Adrian maybe finishing third. That is very tight on the line. Race 7 over at Fairgrounds. We'll get you the order of finish and prices uh, in just a little bit. Before we go to break, as we came out of the last break, we heard the stretch run of the 1985 edition of the Hollywood Futurity. Now, Hollywood Futurity, of course, run at Hollywood Park for many, many years. It actually, maybe not as long as you think. It was only inaugurated right around 1980, 1981. It's not like they've been running it there since the 40s and the 50s. Um, but it ran until the demise of Hollywood Park uh, at, you know, through 2013. And, and for the last 10 years, it's been uh, run at Low Sal and known as the Low Sal Futurity. And there have been some good horses, uh, not necessarily great horses, that have won it at Low Sal. Dortmund won the race slow down Andy won it a couple of years ago and probable was a very nice horse Bob Baffert won, is one at most years that it's been run at Los Al but when it was run at Hollywood Park 
that's when we really got to see some big-name horses run in the race. And Snow Chief was one of those big-name horses for Mel Studi and Alex Solis. Remember in those, in, in those like Cerise colors, like a magenta color with the blue trim of Grinstead and Rochelle? And, of course, Snow Chief himself uh, was a very, very good horse. He uh, not only won the Preakness as a three-year-old, was the Eclipse Award champion three-year-old Colt. During, in 1986 overall, he won 13 of his 24 career starts, banked over $3.3 million before there were races like the Pegasus and the Dubai World Cup and the Saudi Cup available for him. Snow Chief was just very, very good. To be perfectly honest, he ran one bad race in his life, and it happened to be the Kentucky Derby. And he's not the only one who can say things like that. There are several horses who ran very well every race except the Derby, and that's what happened to Snow Chief. He was terrible in the Kentucky Derby. He finished 11th, I think, but he came back and he won the Preakness, he won the Jersey Derby, and he won the Strube Stakes as a four-year-old, which unfortunately uh, does not exist anymore in Southern California. He actually won the Oaklawn Handicap uh, as a four-year-old as well. Very, very good horse. In the money, 21 of 24 career starts, and Snow Chief, one of several very, very good Hollywood futurity winners uh, throughout the year. Normally, I would give you some some examples of some other Hollywood fraternity winners. Um, maybe we'll play some stretch runs of some other ones. But I can tell you, they, I mean, the horses like Tejano, King Glorious for Jerry Hollendorf who won the race. Uh, Best Pal won the race. Afternoon Delights for Burt Backrack and Dick Mandela and Kent Sormo won the race as well. Captain Steve, Point Given, speaking of really, really good horses, uh, won the race. And... Um, you know who else won the race? You don't think of him as a great racehorse, but you certainly think of him as a great stallion. Into Mischief won the race about 15 years ago. Shared Belief was the last horse to win the Hollywood Futurity when it was run over at Hollywood Park. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, get you the prices from the eighth race at Oak Lawn. They have posted the order of finish and actually already gone official for the seventh race at Fairgrounds. Oh, we get you those as well. We've got more live racing to come. And interesting news involving racing in Arizona. All that and more, Betting with Bobby, HRRN. This place has a pulse. You hear it in the canopy, feel it in the ground. Life, fully illuminated, engulfs you. From the birds singing in the treetops above to the tiniest insects in the soil below, you take a deep, cleansing breath. Filling your lungs with the essence of the forest. Now, imagine it's all gone. Healthy, life-giving forests reduced to nothing. No singing birds, no lush canopy, and water and food in short supply around the world. Time is running out to protect our forests. And without our love, they can and will disappear. It's our choice. Love it or lose it. Help protect our forests. Visit World Wildlife Fund at www.wwf.org love. Dear Vet Ticks, it was nice to spend the night with my daughter and other veterans. It's so humbling to attend an event when you feel appreciated. I had a wonderful time with my family. Thank you for the memories, Vet Ticks. Dear Vet Ticks, thank you for a great experience and for your support of the military and veterans. Thank you so much, VetTix. Our family has gone through a lot the last few years, and this gave us a nice break. 
Every empty seat at a concert, game, or special event is a missed opportunity to say thank you to a veteran or a service member. By giving your extra tickets to VetTix, you'll help America's heroes reduce stress, strengthen family bonds, and create a truly happy memory that will last a lifetime. So when you really want to say thank you for your service, give the experience, give the memory. VetTix, give something to those who gave. For more information on how you can make a difference, go to VetTix.org. Teachers shape the future. Right now, in a classroom somewhere in the United States, there's a teacher inspiring a future scientist who'll make preventing pandemics their life's work. Sharpening the mind of an aspiring environmentalist who'll help combat climate change. And generating possibilities for a student who'll be the first in their family to graduate college. Explore a career that leaves a legacy you can be proud of. Teach. Learn more and receive free support at teach.org. Thursday evenings, 6 to 7 p.m. Eastern, is the brisnet.com call-in show. It's your chance to call in and let the Horse Racing Radio Nation know what's on your mind. Call us at 888-966-HRRN. That's 888-966-4776. And discuss the topics you choose in the world of thoroughbred racing. The brisnet.com call-in show. Sirius 162, XM207, and streaming live at horseracingradio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. And Devil is Due now makes his move on the outside as they come for the head of the stretch. It's Devil is Due in front by three lengths as they turn for home. Northern Trend is back into second. On the outside, Wallenda with a late run. Then it's Sea Hero and West by West. They're at the eighth pole. And Devil His Due is in front by five lengths. Wallender on the outside is moving into second, and Sea Hero is third. And here's Devil His Due, a convincing winner today in the Brooklyn Handicap. Mike Smith aboard Devil His Due wins it by eight lengths. Wallender was second, Sea Hero finished third. Ah, some names from the past, but a voice from the present calling a race from the past. That's John Imbrial from almost 30 years ago, the 1994 edition of the Brooklyn Won by Devil His Due, who was, of course, trained by Alan Jerkins. And there is a race named in his honor, we hope, tomorrow out at Gulfstream Park. Welcome back to Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. I'm Bobby Newman here with you every Friday afternoon, 4 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. Talk a little bit more about Devil Is Due and about Alan Jerkins in just a few minutes. Need to get you some prices, though, from both Oaklawn and Fairgrounds first. We'll start over at Oaklawn Park, where the eighth race on the card was won by number five, Vernon Hunkalove. He's a four-year-old chestnut gelding by Munnings out of the Denman Mare, Sicaria, owned by Endzone Athletics, of trainer Carl Broberg, Isaac Castillo, the winning rider on Vernon Hunkalove, who paid 1760, and 540. Second four, eternally grateful, 1660, Third was number one, Colonel Vargo, 320 to show. And fourth, number two, Born Flawless. Exact at 257.20. The try, 304.20. Dollar Super, $2,281.20. Over at Fairgrounds, it was a driving finish. Three of them blanketed on the line. And it was the first time starter, number 10, McAvoy, who gutted out the win. At a big price, he's a two-year-old chestnut gelding by Free Drop Billy out of the English Channel mare Araminta, 
owned by Michael and Rhonda Irwin and others, trained by Mark Cassie, Marcelino Pedroza Jr., the winning rider on McAvoy, who paid 89.80, 29.40, and 15.80. Second seven, Camaro Z. 1220, 560. Third, 11th Summer and Adrian, 280 to show. Fourth, number six, Hope Joe's Right. The exact of $1,056.60. The try, $870.55. And the dollar super, hope you had it twice, $30,362.60. Folks, did you know Verizon is now offering customers a free iPhone 13 or up to $800 to put towards a new 5G phone? This offer is available for all customers, both new and current, with select trade-in and select 5G unlimited plans. Verizon's best 5G unlimited plans offer up to $90 per month of value, the most included value in the industry, and include incredible savings and the most popular entertainment like Disney+, Hulu, ESPN+, Apple Music, and more. So turn in your old 4G device, walk away with a brand new 5G device at your local Verizon store today. Speaking of some of those channels that you can stream, uh, for those of you that are able to stream HBO Max, it's just like a blue symbol, it just says Max on your thing. If you're able to stream it, if you haven't seen it already, there's a series called Bookie that's out right now, and they've only had six episodes, and they have two episodes every Thursday night that come out, so you're not far behind if you haven't seen it. Uh, Comedian Sebastian Maniscalco is the the lead character, and he plays a bookmaker in the series, and uh, it's very stupidly funny and if you are into gambling at all and and even more so if you have any degeneracy in you like i do uh there are things that will hit very familiar in this show uh that you know like just details that unless you've been in and around the you know betting with bookies or being a bookie or whatever uh, you might not, you, you, it might seem a little bit foreign to you, but uh, very funny whether you're a, you know, a Sebastian Manicalco fanatic or not, uh, and I'm not, I just, you know, but the show is very good and he's very good in it and everyone else is very good in it. Look for Bookie, B-O-O-K-I-E on, uh, on HBO Max and uh, you'll enjoy it. All right, let's get back to the track and ninth race on the card over at Oaklawn Park is a mile and a 16th. Um, this is... What is this? Um, it is a, a an allowance optional claiming event, but a money allowance optional claimer. So it's for three-year-olds and up, non-winners of $24,000 twice other than um, since August 15th or non-winners of three races lifetime or in for a $50,000 claiming tag. Scratch the 11 out of the race. That was double crown. We have a big field of 10 going to post in here. Seven right now is the favorite, Wheeland Springs, for Lindsey Schultz and Francisco Arrieta. Uh, five to one on the morning line, but nine to five right now on the board for Wayland Springs, who, to be perfectly honest, has been facing a little bit tougher competition than what he is going to see today. He tried the Lucas Classic, a grade two event last time out at Churchill Downs, and didn't run very well that day at odds of 18 to one. So he wasn't really expected to do much, and he didn't do much. Got beat about 11 lengths that afternoon, running behind Clapton, trademark Blue Devil, and some others. But prior to that, he was good enough to win the grade three Islin at Monmouth. He was also good enough to run second in the grade three Monmouth Cup, um, both going around a ground on the main track there. And uh, he has won several races 
uh, down in Hot Springs over the years. So big drop in class for Wayland Springs, and uh, uh, if you can find an excuse for his last race, or even if you can't, if you think this is just uh, the best hop is the drop, then uh, maybe you'll be willing to take what is two to one right now in the wagering. Second choice on the board all the way to the inside is number one command performance for Joe Sharp and Christian Torres coming off a a nice allowance optional claiming win against kind of like one level softer than what we're going to see today. He was 13 to one that day and came from off the pace, opened up a clear lead in the stretch at Churchill and held on to win by a head that afternoon. Um, and now is facing what you would think is a step higher in competition, drawn well toward the inside, though, and 4-1 to one in the wagering. Third choice is number eight, full screen, Mark Cassie and Ricardo Santana Jr. The teammates here, full screen, uh, coming off a third-place finish against um, one level softer, if you will, at Del Mar in his most recent start. Uh, this is a horse who's been just uh, globetrotting. He's raced, started the year at Woodbine, uh, ran a couple races at Saratoga in the summer, then was shipped down to New York for a few, then shipped out west to Del Mar. I would assume Mark Cassie just put this one on the plane with some of the other horses that maybe he sent out there for that turf festival that they run uh, at the end of November at Del Mar. And full screen was along for the ride and almost won a race in doing so. Uh, finished third, only beaten a neck, was in a three-way driving finish and got the worst of it uh, behind horses like Tahoe Sunrise and McLaren Vale. So we've got some uh, pretty salty runners coming together in this ninth race over at Oaklawn Park, and they are mosing their way toward the starting gate, uh, which is uh, pretty much directly in front of the grandstand. One circuit around uh, for this race at Oaklawn Park. And uh, favoritism remains with number seven, Waylon Springs. Um, after this race, taking a look over at Fairgrounds, they're about eight minutes away from post time for their eighth race. I do have uh, some interesting news and perspective with what's going on out in Arizona that I want to share with everybody. And uh, also look, really looking forward to next week and uh, tell you a little bit more about that uh, after this race. But they have begun the loading process for this ninth race on the card at Oaklawn Park. It is not the finale of the afternoon. They have ten races today at Oaklawn, so we should have no problem getting you the tenth and final. Oh, about 25 minutes from now. But first things first, they are at the gate. They're just running a few minutes behind at Oaklawn Park. Nothing serious as... um, the rain is coming, but not there yet. And uh, last one goes in. Here's the ninth at Oakland. We're ready to go. And uh, Leroff and a bad stumble for Wayland Springs. Went to his nose at the start and is at the back of the field. Frosted Departure has a lot of early speed today. Buck Moon alongside. Frosted Departure taking control from the outside post, getting to the rail for Julian Leperot. And Frosted Departure leads from Buck Moon, who's on his heels, full screen taking the second spot. Buck Moon back in the third position. Pat's Property is next. Silver Prospector a little bit eager down on the inside. He's fifth with Tonka Warrior. A length and a half clear of Wayland Springs and Hosier. Command Performance has run runner beaten. That's Decision Maker who's the trailer, 10 likes off the lead. Up the back stretch, Frosted Departure leads the charge. A length and a half clear of full screen in the second spot. 
Down on the inside, Buck Moon third. Pat's property is next, being joined by Silver Prospector, who wants to go down on the inside. His advancing position will be level fourth. Tonka Warriors there as well. And, oh, and just going down here, we had two horses go down. Number five, Tonka Warrior. Number six, Hosier. Both runners on their feet. I think one of them clipped heels, and that's what happened there. But we have two runners, or riders, down on the course as they round the forward turn and approach the quarter pole. Frosted Departure still on top. Full screen right behind him in the second spot. Silver Prospector has yet to be let loose. Looks like he's got a lot of run. He's going to get outside Silver Prospector as they come down the stretch. Frosted Departure with a furlong to go. Still going strong here. Silver Prospector asked for his best. Tries to get up in his second, but Frosted Departure's got it won. Frosted Departure, gate to wire, and please continue to hold all tickets. There'll be a steward's inquiry here. Frosted Departure wins comfortably clear. Silver Prospector second full screen third. And Buck Moon was fourth. Unofficially 10-2-8-3 in uh, a troubling ninth race at Oaklawn Park. No trouble for the winner, Frosted Departure, who showed a lot of speed out of the gate right off the bat, was able to cross and clear for Julian Leperu at odds of 6-1 to one, and was in front of all the trouble that was behind him going down the backstretch and easily goes on for the wire-to-wire -wire score. Uh, it the accident going to the half-mile pole involved the five Tonka Warrior and six Hosier. To me, it looked like Tonka Warrior went awry and went down, and Hosier, who was probably just a few lengths behind him, couldn't do anything to get out of his way and went over him. Uh, so hopefully the horses are all right. Um, I, I'm holding my breath on that because uh, it looked like Tonka Warrior went down, and hopefully neither he or Hosier hurt. The riders involved, Eduardo Gallardo was on the five Tonka Warrior, Chris Landeros on number six Hosier. Um, so at the very least, I would expect if they, uh, I'm, I'm just, you know, and, the, and this is the, really the least of the least. I'm just glancing to see if either of them, um, Eduardo Gallardo is supposed to ride in the upcoming 10th race. Uh, Chris Landeros is not supposed to ride. So we may have a rider change in that race, but really wishing, you know, prayers out there for both horses and riders involved with that ugly incident going down the back stretch over at Oaklawn Park. Uh, four minutes, now three minutes away from post time over at Fairgrounds for their eighth race. And uh, they're parading in front of the grandstand now. Six furlongs the distance here. It's a conditioned $5,000 claiming event. Phillies and mares, non-winners of four races lifetime or non-winners of two races since June 15th of this year. Field of eight gathering in this spot. Number five, firing to the front is 6-5 to five right now for the team of trainer Shane Wilson and jockey Jose Guerrero. Firing to the front, last three races have been sprinting on the turf uh, at either Evangeline Downs or Louisiana Downs. Last time that firing to the front ran on dirt, she won last March at Fairgrounds. But at least we know that she can run on dirt. We know that she likes it, or at least has liked it in the past at Fairgrounds. And to be honest, she's been running against tougher competition most of her career than what she is going to see today. I'm not sure if she's ever been as low as this $5,000 level. So uh, dropping to the bottom, if they were, as it were, for number five, firing to the front. And uh, that's probably why she is being bet down from three to one on the morning line down to four to five right now. Second choice is the three, Mary Jack, for uh, 
Justin Janson and Jareth Loveberry, and I hope I did not get Justin's last name incorrect. I uh, don't claim to know how to speak French. That was the best guess that I had. Uh, Mary Jack coming off Condition 5 claimers in her last two starts at Fairgrounds. Uh, Boy, this is already the third race of the meet for Mary Jack. They are just uh, shoving her into the into the entry box every time they get a chance. But two second-place finishes in a row uh, for this five-year-old daughter of Palace Malice, and she obviously likes it at this level. Uh, they are getting their final warm-ups in as we get close to post time. Over at Oaklawn Park, the winner is in the winner's circle right now. That's number 10, Frosted Departure, getting his picture taken for this race. Frosted Departure, remember him? I mean, this is a horse who... It seemed like every race he ran in was against graded stakes level competition, and he uh, finally gets into friendlier seas or friendlier waters, if it will, and he shows more speed and he shows a lot more grit and goes on and kicks away for uh, what is about to be an official victory over at Oaklawn Park. Uh, while we approach the starting gate for the eighth race at Fairgrounds, uh, so I mentioned exciting stuff next week on the show and the thing i'm excited about and i'm a little bit of a geek for this um i love going back and watching old races listening to old races not only because uh you know i like hearing some of the race calls from the past but you know seeing some of the horses that maybe i had forgotten of and and things like that and and just you know remembering uh, you know remembering things i hadn't remembered is wrong but uh reliving memories that maybe I had forgotten about. So uh, Bob Nastanovich and I thought that next week, since we've got a little bit of time, both on Thursday on the First Bet Racing Show and on Friday with Betting with Bobby, um, we are task- we've given each other kind of the task of coming up with our favorite Breeders' Cup races of all time. Now, um, I've limited mine to my favorite seven Breeders' Cup races the original seven, uh, which means, uh, you know, it's nothing against the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf and the Breeders' Cup Marathon and the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint and the Breeders' Cup Philly and Mar- nothing against them. I We just, we don't have time to do all 14, and there's more than 14 because, remember, the Marathon, there was a Marathon, there was a Breeders' Cup Juvenile Sprint that is now the Breeders' Cup Juvenile Turf Sprint. So there are actually 16 different races we could have done. Uh, So I'm just doing the original seven, which are the classic, the distaff, the mile, the turf, the juvenile, the juvenile fillies, and the sprint. Um, And my favorites of all time. Bob gets to pick from whatever he wants, and he's given me three or four of his favorite of all time. And strangely enough, um, none of his four are any of my seven. So I'm looking forward to next week not only reliving these, we are going to play all of those races from start to finish, some Thursday, some Friday, and talk about those races and relive them and the stories around them and things like that. And what's amazing is if you know if you go back, if you listen to some of these races, sometimes you go back and you you'll, you'll hear a replay of a Breeders' Cup race and you have a hard time remembering who actually won this race. I don't remember who actually won this race, uh, and then you figure it out. And then I like to always try to figure out. Not only who won, you know, if I can remember who won the race during the race call, but if I bet the race, who I bet on, which unfortunately a lot of times does not coincide with who won the race. Um, 
And thankfully, in my more recent uh, wagering uh, experiences, there have been a lot less uh, a lot less of the losses simply because I'm not playing nearly as many races. I mean, when I, you know, listen, back when it started in 1984 and probably for the first 20 years that the Breeders' Cup ran, I think I bet every Breeders' Cup race. I, at least I was involved in every Breeders' Cup race. Whether I bet, you know, win or win place or doubles or, you know, pick threes or whatever, I was involved in every, and um, not necessarily that good. Not necessarily that good. Um, I can tell you that the two biggest scores I've ever made are not in the seven races that I picked, which I, I know some of you were thinking. They say, oh, he's going to pick the races that he won the most money on. Nope. Nope. Didn't do that. I, could, I did pick a few races that I made some money on, but not the ones that I cashed the most on. Believe it or not, the race that I cast the most on was a, a Breeders' Cup turf sprint a few years ago. And I know you're saying, you hate turf sprints. You're right. I hate turf sprints. But I hated a favorite this one day. And I thought I was going to I, – so I played some Superfectas, and I ended up hitting the Superfecta many, many times, and it paid a whole, It paid very, very well. Um, so, yes, but that did not turn me into start playing turf sprints. It was just that one – um, and no, it's not one of my favorites. We'll talk about more of that next week. But I'm looking forward to hearing hearing Bob's favorites and uh, bringing you my favorites uh, both next Thursday and Friday. Horses are uh, loading into the starting gate for the eighth race at the fairgrounds. Once again, condition five, claimer six furlongs on the main track. John Dooley has the call. And they're off. Fast start for firing to the front in the green cap and sleeves. Sweet Bay with an early bid. Right there to the inside is Taylor's Secret, who's now vying for the lead with firing to the front. Taylor's Secret and firing to the front together as they make this dash toward the half-mile pole. Sweet Bay G-Squeeze strides up on the extreme outside. Then toward the inside is Mary Jack and Saporb is right there in tight quarters as Sweet Bay gets shuffled back with the red cap heading toward the far turn. Isolation and G-Squeeze trails here in the Friday finale. The opening quarter, 21.88 contested seconds and they have three furlongs to go. Firing to the front end, Taylor's Secret and the battle continues to rage coming toward the quarter pole between them and here's Mary Jack who's just in back of the front. Firing to the front has gained the advantage on Taylor's Secret as these Phillies mares straighten away. Mary Jack in third. Isolation looks to gain toward the inside then Saporb. Half mile in 45.47 seconds with Jose Guerrero firing to the front Went to the lead. Firing to the front has pulled clear to a two-length lead from Isolation. Running on. Mary Jack. Taylor's Secret has dropped back. Then Saporb. They're close to home. It's firing to the front. The final favorite at 4-5. to five. Firing to the front is safe at home over Isolation. Mary Jack third and Saporb finished fourth. Unofficially 5-1-3-6 in the finale at Fairgrounds. Number five, firing to the front. First time, I believe, in for a $5,000 tag and gets the job done off a few-month layoff for the team of Shane Wilson and Jose Carrero. Covered the six furlongs in 111-4. and four. Final price was 4 to 5 on the favorite. All right, before we go to break, as we came out of our last break, we heard the stretch run of the 1994 edition of the Brooklyn Handicap, which was won by Devil His Due. Devil His Due, um, he actually, uh, I mean... 
first of all, he, he himself was a very, very good horse. He won uh, 11 races in a 41-start career, made over $3.9 million in his career. Uh, but the reason we played that race for you is because he is one of several very, very good runners that was trained by the late, great Alan Jerkins. Alan Jerkins himself, uh, a Hall of Famer and uh, known for training a lot of good horses. And But some of the things are amazing when you look back at the career of Alan Jerkins. Secretariat won the Triple Crown in 1973. Alan Jerkins t- trained two different horses that beat Secretariat that year. Onion beat him in the Whitney, and I think uh, Proveout beat him as well in the Woodward. Um, he had horses that beat Kelso several times. Uh, I think the horse was named was Bo Purple. He had horses that beat Forgo, Buck Passer, Cougar the Second. Uh, he trained Sky Beauty, who was a great filly in the earlier mid-90s, who won the Triple Tiara out in New York. And uh, rightly so, there is a race named in his honor tomorrow at Gulfstream Park. There's also a great race named in his honor every year up at Saratoga. The one tomorrow at Gulfstream is the Alan Jerkins Handicap, and the one up at Saratoga is the Alan Jerkins Memorial I don't know if it's a handicap or a stake. The one at Saratoga is, of course, for sprinters on the dirt. The one tomorrow at Gulfstream Park is for older horses going two miles on the turf. There's no chance they're running that race on the turf to mile. If they actually run tomorrow at Gulfstream, that race will be moved over to the synthetic track, and the distance will be changed to a mile and five-eighths. But uh, Alan Jerkins certainly deserving of having... uh, Several stakes named in his honor. He trained a lot of really, really good horses throughout the years, and it's nice that uh, both Saratoga and Gulfstream have honored him with stakes in his name. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back, owe you prices from the ninth over at Oaklawn. We'll get you paid for the eighth and final at Fairgrounds. More live racing to come, and I'll tell you what's going on in Arizona. Betting with Bobby, HRRN. Did you know that when you make time to do three simple things each day with your children, talking, reading, and singing, you're helping to shape and strengthen their brains for the years to come? I love to look at the pictures in a book and notice little details about the characters. I pause along the way to ask my child to wonder about how they might feel. When you ask open-ended questions like, what do you notice? Or what do you think will happen next? You're inviting them to be curious. All these rich conversations help develop both their vocabularies and their thinking skills. And it's a great way for you and your child to bond and discover the world together. As a father, helping my child is the most important thing to me. Each of us has the power to create a strong start for our children by talking, reading, and singing with them from the moment they're born and help them to enter school ready to learn and succeed in life. Visit TalkingIsTeaching.org for free tips, resources, and ideas on how to transform everyday moments into magical moments for learning. James Brown and Bill Cower welcoming you back to Dennis Melvin's house. It's time for the Midnight Snack Run. This is one tricky obstacle course. Sticking to healthy habits in this kitchen is going to take focus and determination, but it can be done, JB. He's already entered the snack part of the course, and he's eyeballing a jar of chocolate candy. That is tempting right off the start. Uh Uh-oh. He's reaching, Bill, but... 
He pushes it away. Great stiff arm. He's approaching a plate of delicious-looking iced cookies. Oh, Dennis, you only want one of those. He blows right by him for the apple. Oh, the fridge. It's make or break time, JB. He stares down some rich-looking treats. Uh-oh, looks like he's headed for the soda. Wait, he jukes left, grabs the water bottle, and shuts the door with his elbow in record time. Unbelievable move. I gotta see that again. And he's out. He even turned off the light. That's the way you execute a midnight snack run. Stand Up to Cancer and Rally want you to reduce your risk for cancer. Go to takeahealthystand.org. I'm 54, so basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... (laughs) Hey, listen, it's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. HRRN is live online. Go to our website at horseracingradio.net to stream all of our broadcasts live or listen to the show archives anytime. Read our blogs, get the latest news, and see our entire broadcast schedule. It's all there at horseracingradio.net. And follow us on Twitter at HRRN and like our page on Facebook. Search Apple Podcasts for HRRN and download our latest shows. HRRN is home to racing's biggest events. And our home on the web is at horseracingradio.net. Radio.net. You're listening to Betting with Bobby on the Horse Racing Radio Network. They approach in the quarter pole and Real West has got something left up here. Star of the crop, casual lies, dance floor. Extreme outside, AP Indy. Let's see, Eddie Dallahousse is just asking him to run now. And AP Indy looms dangerous in the center of the track. Real West now trying to hold him off. AP Indy, dance floor comes through at the rail. AP Indy on the outside and dance floor joining the fray at the rail. These two pass the 16th pole together. People forget that Trevor Denman filled in at Hollywood Park uh, on a, for a few years, and he was there in 1991 when the Neil Drysdale trained AP Indy crossed the line in front in the Hollywood Futurity. Of course, AP Indy would go on to win the Belmont as a three-year-old. He also won the Breeders' Cup Classic as a three-year-old. He was named champion three-year-old Colton Horse of the Year in 1992, elected to the Hall of Fame in the year 2000, and he is indirectly one of my favorite horses. Now, I don't know if I ever bet on AP Indy in a race. However, we all know how good AP Indy was. He was very, very good. Well, in 1998, a buddy of mine who uh, worked in the barn area in Southern California told me, he says, hey, Neil Drysdale's got a horse here that he thinks is better than AP Indy. I said, you got to be kidding me. Nope. 
And his name was Fusaichi Pegasus. And this was before he ever ran. And this is before there were uh, future wagering through Churchill Downs. So if you wanted to make future book bets, it was also just at the start of the Internet. So, uh, even you know, there weren't future wagers on, like, offshore sites, at least most of them. But places like Caesars Palace in Las Vegas and, and some other uh, race and sports books would offer futures wagering on the Kentucky Derby. So I had a buddy the day before Fusaiichi Pegasus ever raced go up to Caesars Palace and ask what odds they would give us on the horse. They offered 150 to 1. Uh, we gladly took it, bet the horse. I'm not going to say how much, but it was a nice wager. Uh, I still have a copy of the ticket. I showed it to Kent Sormo about, oh, 10, 15 years ago. He just he couldn't stop laughing. How did you know about this horse? Because he didn't ride Fusaichi Pegasus at the beginning. He did end up riding him, uh, of course, in the Kentucky Derby. But Eddie Delahousse was the first uh, guy to ride Fusaichi Pegasus. But uh, I told him the story, too. And uh, that was uh, my first ever future book wager. And it was a winner. And any future book wagers I've made since then, and thankfully none in the last 10 or 15 years, have not been nearly as fruitful. So indirectly... Knowing how good AP Indy was uh, helped me make a pretty nice score, oh, about eight years later on a horse that would have been his barn mate in Fusaiichi Pegasus. Welcome back. Betting with Bobby here on HRRN. Oh, you some prices from both Oaklawn and Fairgrounds. Let's get the Oaklawn prices out first because they're actually getting closer to post time for the finale on their card. Eighth race, or rather ninth race on the card at... Oaklawn was won by the old class horse, number 10, Frosted Departure. He's a three-year-old gray or colt by Frosted out of the more-than-ready mare Undeterred, owned by RT Racing Stable, trained by Kenny McPeak with Julian Leperu aboard. Frosted Departure, 1580-980-660. Second two, Silver Prospector, 825-40. Third eight, full screen, 660 to show. Fourth number three, Buck Moon. Exact a $151, the Tri $548, the Dollar Super $5,917.30. Owe you some prices over at Fairgrounds. Going to wait just a couple of minutes to get those to you because they're just three minutes away from post time for the finale on the Friday card at Oaklawn Park. Tenth and final race of the day is the distance of six furlongs on the fast track. The three-year-olds and up here, non-winners of two races lifetime. They are in for a $16,000 claiming tag. Uh, 13 were entered. 11 will run. Scratch numbers 1A and 5. And we've got three of them kind of vying for favoritism right now, either at 5-2 to two or 3-1 to one on the board. One of them is number six, Captain Jack for Sippy Contreras and Manny Esquivel. They've already teamed up for at least one win on today's card, Captain Jack, no bueno last time out against much tougher competition at the starter allowance level at Churchill Downs. Uh, prior to that, ran very well at a condition claiming event at Keeneland, and maybe the drop in class will be enough for Captain Jack to uh, get back to his good efforts. Outside two runners also getting play, 11 Master of Arms, 12 Lord Grantham. Master of Arms is 1 for 12 coming into this race. Ron Moquette trains. Rafael Bejarano is aboard. Master of Arms has been running against uh, condition claimers his last four starts, albeit possibly tougher condition claimers, uh, either at the 
25, 32, $40,000 levels and not running bad races against any of that competition. Drops down for six to 16 for the first time in his life. So he's also taking a significant plunge today. On the other hand, number 12, Lord Grantham has been running around this level of competition his last two starts. Uh, Two starts ago was last February at Oaklawn in a condition 12 Vive claimer. He ran second, only beaten about a length that day. And then he was gone until the middle of November when he ran third in a condition $16,000 claimer over at Churchill Downs. He was the three to two favorite last time out, and he got about a beat about a length and three quarters. Uh, but speed figure wise, it looks like a repeat of that race would make him a major player in this spot. And Chris Hartman, who's already off to a good start at Oaklawn Park, always wins a lot of races there in Hot Springs. Lord Grantham getting the benefit of the outside post. I know I'm I'm in I differ with some people in this. I actually like the outside posts in sprints and I don't like them in routes, um, ma- mainly because. You know, as long as it's not four and a half or five furlongs where there's no run to the turn, uh, for the most part, you have at least the length of the backstretch and sometimes longer than that to get to the turn. So a lot of time to work itself out. You get to go in the starting gate after everyone else. There's nobody on your outside. So if you break a half a step slow, you don't have to worry about some horse closing in from the outside of you. And, uh, you know, it just gives you a lot more chance. Plus, you know, you're just not in the starting gate as long as these other horses. So there's a lot of reasons that I think it's better um, in, you know, six, seven furlong races to break on the outside than from the inside. You know, obviously the negative is if uh, if you break even with everyone else, there's a chance you're five or six wide going around the turn. But that's kind of why you pay the jockeys the money that they're getting uh, to realize you either either get in front of those horses or drop down behind and not be caught five or six t- paths uh, wide into the turn. So uh, final preparations being made for this 10th and final at Oaklawn after this race. We'll get you paid at Fairgrounds. Uh, we'll get you paid at Oaklawn. And I want to tell you what's going on out at Turf Paradise. It's uh, it's actually remarkable. Listen, we have not had a whole lot of good things to say about what's going on at Turf Paradise over the years. And most of it is brought upon by ownership out there and for a lack of a better term, what seems like um, a blasé attitude toward the product. Um, and things are changing, and changing in a good way out there. So I'll fill you in a little bit more about what's going on out there. But first things first, we've got the finale at Oaklawn Park coming up. I want to remind everybody about 15 minutes from now, Bob Nastanovich going to join me for the M Wager Weekend Stakes Preview got a dozen races we're going to look at tonight, including six stakes that are taking place later tonight at Remington Park, closing weekend at Remington Park. They've got a big card, six stakes in all, including the Springboard Mile. Bob and I are going to look at all six of the Remington Park stakes coming up as part of the Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview. So uh, if you're not somebody that normally watches the races at Remington Park, they've got a uh, a better card than even they normally have, and they have good racing overall there on a day-in, day-out basis, but a lot of stakes action tonight. Uh, some open companies, some state-bred, and some uh, up-and-coming two-year-olds going to try two turns in the springboard mile. I think it goes as race number 10. All right, they are uh, getting close to all loaded for this finale out at Oaklawn Park. Just a, a few left to load in, waiting on number six. 
Captain Jack, still one of the favorites going in. The outside two runners, Master of Arms, Lord Grantham, also getting heavily played at the windows. They are getting set as well, just waiting on Lord Grantham with Ramsey Zimmerman aboard to complete the line. They'll send it down to Hot Springs for the 10th. In the finale. Boogie Bodie caught an alert getaway. Passion of Joe's has speed. Captain Jack firing forward. Master of Arms. These three across the track. Master of Arms is fresh and quickest. Leads the way narrowly. Captain Jack's right there. Passion of Joe's off of them. Couldn't keep up with the top pair is third. Joined by Unbowed to the inside of him. Between them, Boogie Bodie is next. Little Frappuccino's racing with Lord Grantham. They're side by side. Two better than directional. An unstable Prince. He's running in the third last spot. Immoral second to last. And Halyaz the trailer as they round the far turn. Master of Arms going at it with Captain Jack. Master of Arms goes better than Captain Jack. Sent along to keep pace. Now Master of Arms being asked for more. Captain Jack sticking to him. Unbowed in the third position. Getting outside for the final three sixteenths. Boogie Bodie is next. They come down the lane. Master of Arms still with the upper hand. It's just a narrow margin though. Captain Jack fighting his second. Master of Arms Arms coming to the 16th pole. Captain Jack still going at it with a 16th to go. Captain Jack inside now turning away. Master of Arms and Captain Jack and Manny Esquivel. That's a triple for Manny Esquivel today. Second home, Master of Arms ran well second. Boogie Bodie third and fourth might have gone to Lord Grantham. He was involved in that photo with Unstable Prince. Unofficially 6, 11, 1, and 12 in the 10th and final at Oaklawn Park. Two of the favorites battling basically from the gate all the way down to the stretch to the line. And it was number six, Captain Jack, getting back on the beam. And a big drop in class today for the son of McCracken. And he comes through with the second win of his career. Ends up going off the third choice in the wagering at odds of 5-2. to two. We'll get to those prices, assuming they're uh, up before we sign off. Speaking of prices, we owe you prices for the eighth and final at Fairgrounds where the favorite, number five, firing to the front, got the job done. She's a five-year-old Dark Bay or Brown mare by firing line out of the Super Saver mare, Damsel in front, owned by Wayne Davis, trained by Shane Wilson, Jose Guerrero, the winning rider, and she paid uh, firing, uh, firing to the front, paid $383.210. Second one, Isolation, $623. Third three, Mary Jack, $240 to show. Fourth number six, Suporb. The exact at $23, the try $12.65, and the dollar super $183.60. Uh, still unofficial over at Oaklawn, so we'll pay attention to that and get you those prices in a minute or two. Okay, so here's what's going on over in Arizona. Um, there's been some great work done by our friend Byron King writing for the Blood Horse, and he wrote something Wednesday involving the sharp purse cuts that are going to be taking place at Golden Gate. We had read about this a week ago that there was going to be a purse reduction at Golden Gate for this final season that they're going to have upcoming. It turns out it's going to be a 25% reduction in purses for the most part. So maiden races that were $30,000 purses uh, during the start of the previous winter spring meet will now have a $22,500 uh, purse. Um, Claiming races will be worth between ten and twenty thousand dollars, something like that. Uh, the stake schedule has really been decimated. They're only going to run two stakes the entire meet 
at golf at uh, at uh, Golden Gate. That is the uh, El Camino Derby is still going to be a hundred thousand, um, and it'll still be a win in your in event for the Preakness. Of course, uh, first first bet or first racing or whatever it's called owns both Golden Gate and Pimlico, uh, so they have tied that in. The San Francisco Mile, which is a Grade Three event, is the other stake that survived. It's a one hundred seventy-five thousand dollar purse down from two fifty in previous years so um the the according this is from byron king the cuts of approximately 25 percent are due to a long-standing overpayment of the purse account um which was first reported by thoroughbred daily news the thoroughbred owners of california president bill nader told thoroughbred daily news that wagering was down in 2023 what a shock there and they uh, apparently first racing wanted to cut purses last fall which was resisted by the toc california tracks do not have gaming to supplement the purses. So this is all terrible. And obviously, if you're, listen, we it's been well chronicled. Uh, you know, it's very sad what's happened to the racing in Northern California. Listen, the racing has been crappy there for a while. Um, short fields, not great horses for the most part. And um, finally, the folks at first racing, without admitting that, you know, I, I don't know why you just can't come out and admit, hey, this is a money loser for us. We're just not going to do it anymore. All right, uh, listen, we don't like that. Those of us who love racing don't like it. It's honest. Why, why, why would you keep running a business that continually loses money? That sounds like a terrible business. Don't sit there and make it, you know, turn it around and say, well, this is better for California racing, and we're really going to, you know, focus on what's going on at Santa Anita, and now we're going to get all these horses from the north to come down to the south. Of course, there's no stalls available at Santa Anita. They'll have to be down at San Luis Rey, which is 90-some-odd miles south, uh, or somewhere else, wherever they can figure out where to bed down. Um, And uh, we'll be able to run four days a week instead of three days a week, and just everything's going to be hunky-dory. But it's not going to be like that, because let's face it, we know the quality of racing in general in Northern California does not compete very well with the caliber of racing in Southern California. So that's another lie that they fed to us. Uh, along comes Turf Paradise, who it looked like forever was going to be gone forever. Uh, they looked like they weren't interested in racing anymore. They couldn't get anyone to buy them. And they were just going to close up shop and there was going to be no racing in Arizona. And everyone who was involved out there was going to be, for lack of a better word, screwed. Um, alas, they have found somebody who wants to take over, uh, wants to buy Turf Paradise. Uh, from in, They kind of last minute decided that they are going to go forward or the race meet this year instead of it starting in November like it normally would it's starting I believe the early like the late part of January something like that and running through about Kentucky I think it's January 29th to May 4th uh, but now with what's happened in southern in uh, in northern California I guess from what what it sounds like is they are getting flooded with re- requests for stalls at turf paradise lots of northern California based horsemen are trying to move tack, move shop, as it will, over to Turf Paradise. Especially now that the purses are going to be cut at Golden Gate. They figure they don't owe anything to the people there. And now the problem that Turf Paradise has is that instead of not running at all and thinking they're going to be done forever, they're back and have more interest than they can ever remember having. And now, will they have enough barns for everyone? Apparently, about 30 or 40% of the barn area, Turf Paradise, 
is in such bad condition that it maybe needs to be condemned or at least, you know, completely redone. Um, but they're getting a boatload of new faces who want to come over to Turf Paradise and ply their trade. So uh, good for Turf Paradise. Uh, glad that things are going well for the horsemen that are based in Arizona, uh, that they get to continue on. It's obviously awful that it's at the be at at the behest rather of the of the folks in Northern California. That sucks, but it is what it is. Uh, but certainly happy for the folks in Arizona that racing will continue and go on there in uh, in the in the Valley of the Sun, as it were. All right, let's see if we can get you the final prices. At Oaklawn Park, 10th and final race on the card has gone official. The winner was number six, Captain Jack. Three-year-old Bay Gelding by McCracken out of the Harlan's Holiday Mare. Uh, great family, owned by Flurry Racing Stables, trained by Sippy Contreras with Manny Esquivel. Captain Jack, 763-8320. Second, 11, Master of Arms, $3, 260 Third one, Boogie Bodie, $8 to show. Fourth, number 12, Lord Grantham. The Exacta paid twenty three twenty. The Tri fifty three dollars. The Dollar Super two hundred eighty five dollars and seventy cents. Want to remind everybody tomorrow another huge edition of the Equine Forum presented by Twin Spires here on HRRN. Good friend Mike Penna, the Baron of the Backstretch, busy tomorrow morning. He's going to talk with Damon Thayer, the Kentucky Senate Majority Floor Leader. They're going to discuss Damon's decision to not run for re-election. He shares his thoughts on the horse racing industry. He's been a big uh, promoter of horse racing in Kentucky for many, many years. Jockey Jose Ortiz joins the show, looks ahead to the Allen Jerkins handicap. Hopefully that still goes tomorrow at Gulfstream Park. Trainer Jonathan Thomas on the show discusses Prairie Bayou Stakes favorite Wolfie's Dynaghost. Trainer Phil D'Amato on the show looks ahead to the Los Alfaturity. Plus you've got Ashley Anderson providing this week's Twin Spires triple play. Kurt Becker takes you on a stroll through racing history presented by Keeneland. Dale Roman, Tim Wilkin. Dale Roman's Tim Wilkin tackle the sport's hottest topics on I Ask, They Answer presented by the University of Louisville Equine Industry Program. All part of a huge edition of the Equine Forum presented by Twin Spires. Tomorrow, every Saturday morning, 8 to 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Sirius 162, XM 207, online channel 999. And on our website, horseracingradio.net. That's going to wrap it up today on Betting with Bobby. For our producer, Lee Delapina, I'm Bobby Newman. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Stick around. The Amwager Weekend Stakes Preview is coming up in three minutes.